All right, Jordan, you ready for this? Let's go. All right, we got some great questions. It's, it's uh, great and exciting, but also a little bit overwhelming as these things stream in. You were kind of communicating that to me last week that it's like, whoa, there's a lot here. So I wish we could get to all of them. Um, let me start with one that represents uh, sort of multiple questions. I'm kind of putting them all together in one question. But um, the question is basically regarding the balance between living by faith in God's control, but also at the same time uh, making plans for the future. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance living in the present while planning for the future? How do you know what steps to take next? Yeah. I mean, as a lot of these answers are going to be in Ecclesiastes, there's not, it's not a formulaic answer. So there's not a, a three-step way to respond to that. So I think the thing that's been comforting me, even as I've been prepping, because one of the questions I was asking as I'm reading this, this week was, how do I know what time it is? Like, how do I know when it's a time to weep? when it's a time to rejoice, when it's a time to so whatever. And I feel like the answer I was getting from God is I gave you my spirit. Like you use the wisdom that you have as my spirit interacts with you. And so one of the, the beautiful advantages that we have as being members of God's family is that God actually lives in us and guides us in our decisions. And so I think there's a ton of, of comfort in that. So I think part of the, the answer is how, how, do you know the, how do you know the balance between planning for the future and living in the present? Well, you don't. You, you navigate it case by case and you, um, you trust God in the process and you pray to his Holy Spirit for guidance. And so I, I think there's even this element in me of wanting to know the right answers of when do I trust God in the moment? When do I plan my life? That is still me trying to control. And, and so there's this way that you, that you step back. It's a lot about your motivations and you say, okay, I, I want to acknowledge my lack of control, but I still have to plan my life and be a normal human. And so I'm going to step forward. I'm going to make decisions. And as I go, I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to, to guide those steps now, does that mean that he will always give you a direct sort of answer to everything you do? No, I think a lot of times understanding God's will for your future is just making a decision, stepping forward in faith and trusting him in the process. Um, but I think he will guide you in that. And even if you don't totally understand his voice, you acknowledging that you're depending on him in the process is a huge part of what you're trying to do. And so the Bible talks about even as you make future plans, you still make plans, but you acknowledge that you say along with those plans, if the Lord wills. So you're moving forward, but you're acknowledging that God could redirect those at any point and you're willing to sort of follow those as you go. So mm -hmm. yeah, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. The word I thought of as you were describing uh, the tension is submission yeah. that we're still doing what other people do in a sense 
it's just that we're always leaving those plans in the hands of God. And so it's wise to think about how your degree that you're getting in college connects to a future job or how the decisions that you're making in the moment regard to a romantic relationship will affect your future in terms of marriage and, and kids and those types of things. But there's also, at the end of the day, there is a submission to God and a moment by moment dependence on him and trust in him. So as you were talking about control, I thought this question might come up. It's a, it's a great question. And I'll answer it first because I've had a little bit longer to stir, to stir on it. And then I'll hand it over to you, Jordan, see if you have, have some more clarifications you'd like to make. But the question is, okay, God is absolutely sovereign. He's absolute control. Does that mean that God caused COVID-19? And I immediately thought of Psalm 46. And so Psalm 46 says, starting with verse 6, it says, The nations rage the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. And so I think sometimes people are afraid to say what the Bible plainly says. The Lord brought this desolation on the earth. But that doesn't take away secondary causes. And so God is ultimately sovereign over everything. He is in control of absolutely everything. But it's also true that. COVID-19 was caused by human sin. And so the world is a fallen, broken place, and not just in terms of sin, but in terms of suffering because of our rebellion against God. So it's both caused by God and brought about by him. It is ultimately under his control, but he is never the source of evil. He does nothing wrong. He is only good. Any further kind of clarifications you'd bring on that, Jordan? I mean, I agree. And I, I think in order to handle this question well, and not just like abstractly, I mean, this, this matters in people's lives. I mean, you, some of you are hurting and you know people who are hurting and some of you are afraid. And so the idea of saying God caused that is really difficult. Um, but I, I think we have to do, so this reminds me of kind of what I was saying at the beginning of we can't figure out God, but we can trust him. And I think this is one of those moments where it, I think a mistake we can make is to, to try to neatly tie together things in a, a clear cut answer of how God works 
that we can't fully understand. So what's biblically true is that COVID-19 is wicked and evil and a result of sin in the sense that if we were living in an unfallen world, COVID-19 and its consequent suffering would not exist. So, so suffering is a result of the fall of humanity. We, when we sin, we ruined God's good world. So that is true. And it's also true that God is always in control of everything and ultimately turns everything out for good for, for those who love him. And so those, those to us feel contradictory, but they're both biblical. And so we need to have the humility to say, I'm going to, going to assert and believe what the Bible says is true, even though I can't fully understand it. It is a little bit mysterious to me. I can't totally reconcile or neatly tie together those two things into a theological bow, but instead we live in dependence on God. But then I think the question would be, well, how do you know you can trust a God like that? Well, he died on a cross for us. He, he endured suffering and over and over again has proven himself um, in my life. And so I think even on a macro scale outside of just COVID, this is a big question for Christians because we believe in God's goodness through suffering and we trust him, but we also work to push back suffering and injustice in the world. We do what we can to establish God's goodness here, which often looks like pushing back on sin, suffering, and injustice. And so we trust God's hand and his control as we push back on the negative ramifications of sin. And no, I don't have that totally figured out. No one does, but we know he's trustworthy. So how does, there's a couple questions about this. How does God's sovereignty relate to free will and human responsibility? So God is absolutely in control of everything and causes suffering in the world in some way, brings about desolations on the earth. And it's also true that we as humans have some kind of freedom and responsibility. How do, how do those two things work together? So I think my primary instinct is I have thoughts, but I think it's important again to acknowledge I don't know in one sense. So in the sense of, if you're asking me, how do the depths of God's character work as it flushes itself in the world? I, I think at some point we have to acknowledge that we're bumping up against a power that is much higher than us that we can't totally define and understand. Um, now with that said, Drew, give them the the farmer analogy, man. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So something that I'll often talk about is how it's true that God is the one that makes corn grow. So you could say God is absolutely sovereign over the growth of corn in a field. You plant it. You don't even know how it works. God is the one who makes it grow. But it's also true that as a farmer, it is your responsibility to till the soil, to plant the seed, 
to water the seed, to put fertilizer on. And so just because God is absolutely sovereign over the growth of the corn doesn't mean that you're not responsible. Actually, his sovereignty enables your responsibility. His sovereignty makes your responsibility count. And the place where I'm getting that from in the Bible is, there's many places, but Philippians 2.12 is a great example. It says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but also in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to work for his own good pleasure. So our responsibility is made possible by God's sovereignty. That's the way that the Bible talks. And so you're actually going to be looking for a long time if you try to find this concept of free will in the Bible, because we don't have free will in the sense that we cannot make decisions that are somehow outside of God's sovereign control. The, the atmosphere that we live in is an atmosphere of God's sovereign control, but we do have responsibility in the sense that we have decisions that matter. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's helpful to clarify the ditches, like what we aren't saying. I think is has, has helped me understand this as much as trying to articulate what we are saying. So, I think one ditch that people who talk about the control and sovereignty of God can be labeled as is determinists. So, what that means is that. Maybe a simple way to summarize it would be that human decisions don't matter, that everything is predetermined in that it excludes human decisions and human responsibility. That is not what we're saying. Um, we are saying that, like what Drew said, that human decisions do matter and human responsibility uh, is evident and is important, but it's within the realm of his sovereignty. Uh, and then the other ditch that you could fall into is saying, well, human decisions matter so much that they functionally uh, can work their way around God's control, um, which you, you just, you can't find that in the Bible. Everywhere you look in scripture, God knows exactly what's happening and is in total control of those events. If you go that far on emphasizing human free will, you have a God who isn't all-knowing and all-powerful, and you have an utterly terrifying world that we're all in control of, and it's just anarchy. The way that that, I think, lands with what we're talking about as far as how we live, um, I was thinking about Philippians 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So the reason why that came to mind, even though it's maybe not, quote unquote, directly addressing God's control sovereignty, is the only way that you possibly could rejoice in every circumstance is if the, you believe that God is behind those circumstances working for your good. So the foundation of you being able to live as a joyful person in Christ is God's 
total goodness and control working behind the scenes. But notice how that works is the rejoicing doesn't come through you being able to fully understand how that works. The rejoicing comes through you praying and thanking God for what he's doing in the world and him giving you a supernatural peace to trust him even as you don't understand. So it comes back to us not fully understanding, but being able to trust God and have a supernatural peace from him that he's that he's good and trustworthy and working in the world. And that's an important distinction because we're not calling people to rejoice in their circumstances themselves, but to rejoice in the Lord in your circumstances. And so sometimes that means what we saw earlier in Ecclesiastes, you look out at the world and you say, I hate this. But at the same time that you're saying, I hate this, you're paradoxically able to say, thank you, God, because I know that you're working this all for my good. Okay, last question. I'm gonna put it on myself first because it's uh, not really related to your message. And so it was the first question that came in, so I've had some time to think about it. And then I'll, I'll let you have the last word on it, Jordan. Uh, but the question is, should Christians vote in ways that put our beliefs on others? Abortion, gay marriage, et cetera. So here's my answer to this question. No matter which way you vote, you will vote in such a way that you put your beliefs on others. And that's because there's something called common grace that we believe in. And so what that means is that in our two-party system, both Democrats and Republicans bear the image of a holy God. And they both do it imperfectly, which means neither party's policies reflect the priorities of the Bible. There are good things in each political party, and there are things that are dishonoring to God and don't even fit into biblical categories within each political party, which means what we advocate at Salt City is that Jesus is your exclusive Lord. Your allegiance to Jesus is so far and above your political allegiance that your politics are filtered through your Christianity and not the other way around. That means that you will have good things to say about both political parties, and you will have criticisms of both political parties. So you're not just going to hold the party line. And I think especially today, that applies because we lived in, su in such a polarized society that that will actually help us to live out the vision of our church to be salt and light. When to our neighbors, we are not just people with big signs in our yard advocating for certain political candidates, but we're people who they see as reasonable. I know you've thought quite a bit about this too, Jordan. So riff off that for a little bit and then, and then end us in prayer, man. Yeah, man, these are great. They're hard, dude. <laughs> um, one thing I want to I emphasize 
is you you can't you can't put your Christian morality to the side when you do anything, including vote. Because your Christian morality is not just a moral philosophy, it's who you are. So if you ask me to go vote, not as a Christian, that there's nothing left. That that is me. My my whole world is funneled through who Jesus is and what he said about the kingdom. And and that should be true of all Christians. So there's no such thing as putting aside your Christian morality for the sake of engaging in politics. Um, but like what Drew was saying, there there is no political candidate. There is no uh, political ideology that will perfectly align with what you see as your Christian morality and, and what you're seeing in scripture. And so that leaves Christians in, in a little bit of a difficult place as they vote. And so I want to actually come back to, and I know I'm not like, I might not be answering this in the way that, that you want this to be answered, but it, it really comes back to wisdom and dependence on the Holy Spirit. So when I think about politics, it makes me pray because I realize my own limitations, my own biases, and, and the limitations and issues with every political candidate. But I know that I need to engage actively in our world as a good citizen to represent Christ there. And, and so I don't always have the, the right answers. And so it causes this dependence and moment by moment decision making where I'm trying to understand the voice of God. Um, and so I want to encourage us away from hot takes about issues primarily. Now, there's obviously things that Christians are very clear on and, and that will have strong opinions on. And that's a great thing. But there's a lot of gray and so to, to embrace humility and a gentleness and a listening spirit as we engage with our world, I think will demonstrate Christ well. The, the other tension that we've got to live in is that you can't always legislate all Christian morality. So for example, I, I know of almost no Christians that would want to legislate, say, gluttony and, and say that someone should be arrested if they eat too much in a restaurant. And, and that's because we understand this, this dynamic that, that not every person is, is a Christian. And so it's why when we do evangelism, we don't expect people who don't know Christ to live like Christ. We just tell them about who Jesus is and what his kingdom is like and what it would be like to live in it. And so there's some ambiguity there on what things we should legislate and, and what things we shouldn't, even though we do have moral opinions on them based on scripture. And I'm not going to get into what those things are. Uh, Christians land differently on where they draw that line on what should be leg legislated and what shouldn't. Um, and so I think we need to have some room for Christians to land differently and to listen to each other and try to come to informed decisions about where we land on what to legislate and why, and not have kind of reactionary decisions based on emotions or decisions based on party lines. Uh, we step out of the party system a little bit and we come to it with a lens of the kingdom of Jesus and try to do the best we can to figure out where those lines are. So um, real quick, Drew, before I pray, tell them about your podcast because I forgot last week who you had on this past week. Oh yeah. So I had a great guest this last week named Rosaria Butterfield on the podcast. I actually can't believe she said Yes, she's uh, got a great Christian testimony. Would encourage you guys to go to rosariabutterfield.com and, and look at her books. 
uh, you can find our podcast um, listed along with our, our normal podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, or you can go to our website and uh, look at the live stream or YouTube, saltcitychurch.com, and look at past episodes. This coming Thursday, we're doing a uh, special dad's edition. So me and uh, my buddy, Mark Arendt, who's pastor of Veritas Church in Iowa City, are having our dads on the podcast and just interviewing them about life and faith and being godly men. Yeah, it's, I've been really thankful for that podcast. And even a couple of weeks ago, Drew interviewed um, Zach Eswine, who wrote a commentary that we both love on Ecclesiastes. And it was a great conversation surrounding Ecclesiastes. So would recommend that too. But yeah, let me, let me pray to close this up. God, I, I acknowledge that these questions about how to interact in the world and including polarizing things like theological concepts about your control and political conversations. God, I, I have thoughts and I have ways that I'm trying to obey you, but my intelligence, my perspective is limited. All of ours are. And so we start there, God, from the, the foundation that we are not all-knowing, powerful beings. We are limited in our knowledge, in our, in our power, in our ability to understand you, our ability to obey you. But God, we trust you. And um, specifically, Holy Spirit, we trust you. I, I'm thankful that um, you live inside of us and, and teach us how to obey Jesus and give us wisdom and speak to us about how to live. And so help Salt City to live well in the kingdom of Jesus. Jesus, you came talking about a better way to live and a, a better um, authority to submit to you. And we want to know what it's like to live in that kingdom and to offer it to other people and to bring it to this earth. You said to, to pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we pray that God, we pray that you would eradicate the, the suffering of COVID-19 from this world, that you would push back um, that, that pain that our world is going through. But also we, we trust you in the process that it's for a purpose and that you're refining the world and you're refining your church. And we lean into this moment and we embrace it as a gift from you. And so teach us what you want to teach us and make us in your image and, and bring your kingdom here, God. We want you uh, to turn this world into what it's destined to be. And so, um, Jesus, we trust you in all things. We love you. Yeah, you're good, God. Amen.